Wrestling fans, ah, it's time once again for them boys from 607 Podcast to bring you all that pro wrestling action. It's time for this week's episode of 607TWS live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast or wherever you get great podcasts by searching out 607 TWS of course we're always in the 8122 production studios at Dragon Master Games I'm one of your hosts here on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast and I'm also the host of the 3 Fat Nerds podcast my name is Rich and joining me as he does each and every week in the co-pilot's chair, your other host here on 607 Podcast on Twitch, and also the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Happy post-AEW Full Gear Day. Yes, absolutely. And of course, I was preparing for show right up until go time. So my headphones were even back. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, it's, it's, it's been a good time. It's going to be a good week. Hopefully, we have a great week of things we can talk about here on uh, 607 TWS. Mm-hmm. We got in the main event segment of this show, we're going to be breaking down and giving our preview of WWE Survivor Series, or what we know of it so far, because WWE has a, a tendency to not list their shit like before a week before, but whatever. Right. Uh, but we'll talk about that in the main event and what we're looking forward to this upcoming Sunday, which I might point out, we will be live streaming on 607, twitch.tv/607podcast, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our live reactions and commentary. I know some people get bored with WWE, but join us. We'll go through the show and we'll have a lot of fun doing so. Absolutely. Of course, uh, in the mid card, we're going to be doing a lot of reviewing. We got a lot of shows to resume and re- review in that indie roundup. We got uh, GCW's Evil Deeds, GCW's Nick Gage Invitational, a West Coast Pro show we forgot all about. And guess what? We're glad we, we yeah. saw it on that night because it was amazing. Uh, of course, also Ring of Honor with their second to last pay-per-view of the year and second to last pay-per-view until the repackaging is going to be going down. Of course, Honor for All. We'll talk about that. And of course, the big new Japan Pro Wrestling. Wrestling battle in the Valley event that went down in San Jose, California, Saturday night. We're going to be talking about all of those plus more, and of course, in the opening bout, we are going to be breaking down uh, the the good old the, the good card that was AEW Full Gear, plus a little bit of the media scrum preham. We're going to talk about some takeaways from that. Mm-hmm. All that and more is coming up. But before we dive in, before we sink our teeth into all of that action and news, Ken Am, tell them how to find you in the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. You can find all of them right there. New Parlay Points blogs dropping this week. Got a whole lineup of comic reviews that you definitely need to go check out before you hit the shops. The T Public Store is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Are you hooked up with your latest ODPH Podcast swag? All of that and so much more. odphpodcast.com odphpodcast.com it sounds like a great place to go but you know where else you can go you can check out things over at 8122productions.com find out all about the three fat nerds podcast find out all about horror zone 607 and everything else we got cooking over here at 8122productions as part of 607 podcast uh t public store is there for us as well all of our social media links of course we're on all socials three fat nerds pod throw an at in front of it if you have to uh what else i gotta talk about oh uh make sure you're signed up for patreon 
Mm. For as little as $1 a month, patreon.com slash 8122productions. Me and Diesel today talked about a new show coming that way, possibly. Mm. Also, on top of that, there's so much more you can get. And if you're in the $3 tier, the only other tier we have, the Chubby Chaser tier, if you sign up now, you can be, not only will you get a Christmas gift, which is a nice Three Fat Nerds beanie, but you will also uh, be entered in to win a gift card. Can't go wrong with that. Because every member of Patreon, Patreon, except for Ken M, mm-hmm. because obviously he works here. Yeah. If he wins, people are just going to think that I never bought a gift card and just gave it to Ken M. Right. <laughs> it's that real cheap shit you can do. But we don't do that here. So no worries. No worries at all, Ken M. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, you might want to make sure you're following. If you're listening to us live right now on Twitch.tv slash podcast, you're like, why are you telling us about it? We already know about this. But we also have to talk to the podcast group. If you're not following already on, on Twitch, what are you waiting for? Seriously. Lots of stuff coming up, including a huge weekend for us this weekend, because we'll be back live this upcoming Saturday, November 20th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for 607 Podcast Movie Night. Myself, Ken M, and Diesel are confirmed. We can never tell what ragtag group will come in other than that, but we can confirm us. We'll be watching along with you and having a great time talking about the HBO documentary Superheroes, about real-life superheroes. If you've never seen it, it's a lot of fun. You can, uh, we'll, put, uh, we'll get you make sure you guys know all the links and stuff on Amazon Prime and so on and so forth. If you get it for free, I don't know nothing about it. I'm mm-hmm. just throwing it out there. I'm not even going to give you the link, but if you whatever you want to watch it, you can watch it. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. But Amazon yeah. Prime is how we're renting and watching it, just so you know. Uh, also, uh, Sunday, as I already mentioned, Survivor Series, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then we'll have our live reactions and commentary, and then I think we have a weekend off before the following weekend, which is a UFC event, so we've got a lot of stuff coming up. You want to make sure you're following. It's going to be a great time here on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Um, I think that's all we got for him to open the show, Ken. So without further ado, I think this is maybe your first or second favorite part of the show. I don't know, but uh, it's definitely... It's time! That is right, it is time, and I was off on the bell. (laughs) So anyways, it's time to jump right in, and it's time to talk about AW Full Gear. But before we talk about Full Gear... Let's talk about the media scrum we took play part in the, before Full Gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. It was uh, one of the lesser newsworthy ones, except yeah. for one piece that we're going to share with you. But uh, real quick, I mean, things covered in it were simple. Uh, I know the Bray Wyatt question was asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony Khan said that uh, he had not spoken, spoken, says speaking. He had not spoken to uh, Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda or however you would like to refer to him. In quite some time, since Chris Jericho's birthday party last year. He also stated that uh, they have not been in negotiations. He knows that, you know, Tony would like to work with him, but they have not been in any negotiations. Of course, the internet called sour on that, thought he was going to show up the whole night on full gear, which he didn't. But once again, I've, like I said before, because a question previously asked to Tony before that was about the Ring of Honor situation and the talent, if they were going to pick up some of the talent. And Tony said, and I quote, yeah, uh, you'll have to keep your eyes on AEW Dynamite and Rampage, and you'll see. Which was his way of saying, yes, we did. 
but mm-hmm. you'll have to wait and see. And of course, at Full Gear, we found out one of those signees. We'll save that for when the show comes up. Right. But uh, so once again, he's always got a bad poker hand, if you will, or he's just really good at honesty, one, whichever way you would like to put it with him. So it's easy to read. So that's why I knew when people were like, oh, I'm expecting Bray Wyatt. I was, as I told you, I'm at 25%, man. 25% chance he might be there. 75% likely he won't because I just had faith in Tony and I was right about that. Mm. Uh, other than that and the information we're about to give out in a minute because we're going to play a little clip for y'all. Uh, is there anything else that you took away from the Tony Khan pre-Full Gear press conference? No, not too much. I mean, it was pretty much a standard pre-pay-per-view show with him. I, I I did like how he did address about Bray Wyatt. I thought that was very good. And like you touched upon, he doesn't have the best poker face. So when he gives you that kind of information, you had to run with the bank. I thought maybe he was going to swerve everybody. But no, he didn't. And the Ring of Honor stuff I thought was very, very telling that he did tip his hand a little bit that we were expecting somebody wasn't sure when. And we found out when on First Saturday one night. turned out to be Saturday night. So. Yep. Uh, so the only other thing that was really newsworthy came from a question that was asked. Um, I am going to play it, including the uh, person who asked the question, because I feel like they should get credit, obviously. Mm. But we're going to set up for it. Uh, and we're just going to let you guys hear yourself what Tony Khan had to say. And I, I think this is kind of interesting, and we'll talk about it after. But uh, here is Tony Khan from this past Thursday's media call. From SE Scoops is next, and following Ella will be Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. Ella? Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm well. How are you? So before I go in, I, I want to point out, it's Ella from Wrestling Scoops who's asking the question. Mm-hmm. I, th- I must have cut off the first part of that. So Ella from Wrestling Scoops is the one answering asking this question. You. I'm fantastic. So I had a women's wrestling question for you. So, obviously, the bar, I think, has been really raised this year with a lot of all-women shows and main events taking place. But does AEW have any plans or hopes to contribute maybe an all-women's event of their own sometime? So, I'm going to cut the – I'm going to answer – I'm going to cut off your question right there because I don't think I get enough credit for what I did for the NWA show because a good number of the people who wrestled on the NWA show were wrestlers I sent and paid. And so I do think I contributed because the highest paid wrestlers on that show were actually the people I paid separately when they already make an AEW to go wrestle on that show. And I don't think they did a very good job of telling people that, honestly. Um, even though I, it wasn't the deal we did, I wish they'd told more people that because that was one of the points I made when we closed it was I think it would be nice if you told people that I'm paying the wrestlers coming because I, you know, that is a big contribution for me. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So that, so I did pay the wrestlers for that show. So I was like, uh, I, you know, it's like kind of like when you pay for a uh, pay for a dinner and nobody, nobody thanks you. So like, uh, that was, that was, uh, one thing. First of all, thank you for the foul poke polls 801. Thank you for chiming in there. Ah, so, uh, <laughs> and Lou chimed in. Oh, poor Tony, you either die the hero or live long enough to become a mark for yourself. Uh, the big takeaway I had from that statement there by Tony Khan coming back into the show here is, uh, wow, man, really? Yeah. This long to wait on it? Now, mind you, I don't mind him taking credit. I don't mind him. And if, if, if I'm assuming he did what he said he did. I don't know. I'm not going to say he's a liar. I, I feel like they definitely sent talent. If Tony paid them, that's awesome. Cool on him. However, <laughs> yeah. like, like the fact that he picked this moment right then and there when we're Talking about another thing, you know, talking about the question wasn't even about that. Right. It was about his intentions of doing it. And he then goes off like, oh, yeah, by the way, the NWA never gave me credit. 
Never gave me credit. Yeah, it's just so puzzling about the timing of answering that. And I'm with you. You know, if you felt that he should got some credit, yeah, absolutely. If that's what he he did do about backing the NWA event, sure. But just the time and place about answering that, I just thought it was completely out of left field. Yeah, and he done to go back to it. Like he he sounded yeah. like he was done, and then he had to throw that little tag on the end. It's like it's like if you pay for a dinner and nobody gives you credit for it. Yeah, that just, you're just like, come on, Tony. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, I love the product and I want to see AEW succeed. I don't know how much I can scream that, but this is why I play this music for Tony Khan. <laughs> It became the unofficial Tony Khan theme on this show because of that shit. Like, there's yeah. no reason to do it. There was nothing. The, the question was actually promoted about, like, what they were doing in the women's division for AEW. He said, hey, look at the women's division. She said, look at the women's division is doing well. All these other places have done all women's shows. Are you going to do an all women's show? And he should have just said, well, you know what? We're thinking about it or whatever. Not, hey, by the way, that women's show that NWA did, I paid part of that bill. Yeah, and they should like, have talked about it, but since they didn't talk about it, I'm going to take the time right now in a media call to talk about it. And the worst part about it is very few people picked up on it. Yeah. Very few people reported that out. That that X script was sent to us courtesy of All Elite Wrestling mm-hmm. on a media call that both myself and Ken were on. Yep. By the way, I had my hand up and a typed-in question to ask, and I did not get selected. I, a nine-year-old boy got selected over me. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel great about that, TK. Uh, going into the event, I felt great about it. So let's not waste any more time. Other than that, it was very much, you know, it was, it was a blah meeting. Sometimes big news comes out. Sometimes it doesn't. And and that was pretty much the biggest thing. I just thought that was like, why are you crying over spill milk? Especially when we're coming in to a huge pay-per-view and we should just be focused. As a matter of fact, she could have taken that opportunity to say, Hey, maybe we'll do that event in the future. But did you know we have two great women's matches coming up on F full gear? Yeah. We're going to kick off the show with the buy-in with a great women's match, a great women's tag team match, with all four being contenders in the TBS title tournament. And then, on the main card, we got a match that everybody's waiting to see. Britt Baker defending the AEW Women's Championship against Ty Conti. Aren't you guys excited for that? That's how women's wrestling is done. Fuck, Tony, hire me. I could be your PR guy. I just did a great job right there. And that's off the top of my head. I didn't prepare that. Come on, Tony. We got to do better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's the time and place like this should be focused on the the calendar event closing out your pay-per-view schedule. And it was a big one. There was a lot of hype behind it. Why take the focus away from that? Do you have a look at me moment? Sorry. Well, uh, before we dive into the pay-per-view, there's one more thing we have to address because I know it's coming up and I know people are going to want to make sure. Ladies and gentlemen, the BR app. Yeah. Minus five stars. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Holy shit. Let's just get it out of the way because we had problems all night. Uh, Ourselves and many others Mm -hmm. had problems with the new BR app. And uh, let's just say uh, for us, the biggest problem was the audio was not synced for the entire evening. And the weirdest part is when we reset and kicked out, it would be synced for about eh, 10 seconds and then it would slowly start to not be synced anymore. But it wasn't the video or the audio speeding up. It was the weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. But we were hearing, we were about audio wise, we were 30 seconds ahead of the actual visual, Mm -hmm. which is super annoying. 
So a lot of the promos and stuff, we just cut out. Like we were going out and coming back because it did us so good. Because looking at lips like that is weird. Yeah. During the matches, we'd hear the finish before it happened. It was it was just, it was bad. It buffered out a few times for us. But I think the biggest problem is the sinking. So I'm going to say this. I put it on Twitter. And I'm going to say this right now. Tony Khan, All Elite Wrestling, whoever needs to hear this, please make... AEW pay-per-views, full-time available on Fight.tv. Mm-hmm. I understand Bleacher Report is a subsidiary of Warner Media. Fine, carry it on there too, but listen to your fans and give us fucking fight because here's the problem, Tony. You guys offered refunds because of this, and I'm sure a bunch of people took them, which means you lost money on this event that was a really good wrestling event. We're going to go through that in a minute. I can already tell you, it was very, very good. Other problem is that you're forcing most of us to go to a VPN because a lot of people, if you have cable, you you won. Mm. You won because you could order it on certain cable companies. But if you had to order it on an app like us, you're forcing me to go to VPN style. And I want to give you a little, a little bit of things. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. If you're ordering on a VPN, the British showing of AEW pay-per-views is cheaper than it is in the States. So you'll lose money because we'll be paying for it that way and it'll be cheaper. And it's not cheaper because of the exchange. Mm-hmm. It's just cheaper. Which brings up the next point of question that I know Ken M wants to know about the price of these things. Yeah, why is it that we're doing $50 for the when you're seeing a lot of other independent companies doing it for less than that, right around 30 35 which I think would be more of a way to get new fans into your product. And especially with such a high marquee matchup that your fan base that is already built in was amped up for. But to entice new fans and get closer to that 200000 buy rate, why not take a $35 flat rate for it instead of trying to charge 50 especially when we're having these app problems on it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's real crazy. I, did, I will be honest, and I'll be very clear. I did not take a refund on the event because mm-hmm. I thought the event was very good, and I didn't want them to lose more money, but I'm sure a lot of people did because in that chat on Twitter, yeah. it looked like a lot of people were asking for refunds, and I don't blame them. And then also, here's the other part that really pissed me off. They then decided to show the replay on Fight. You could buy the replay on Fight, and the replay on BR was non-existent. They started streaming it live about 2 o'clock in the afternoon Mm -hmm. for anybody who had ordered it so you could watch the replay. But you couldn't fast forward or rewind it because they were streaming as a live event. It took until about 8 o'clock last night for BR to have an on-demand version on their app for people who purchased the fucking event. Listen, on Fight.TV, as soon as I'm done watching an event, I can literally go back and restart that event and fast forward and rewind and everything else. Although the fast forward and rewind button are the worst thing on Fight. I yeah, will say yeah, that. Yeah. However, other than that, fight's got their shit together. Oh, yeah, fight's great to work with. Oh, my God. I made me want to go back to regular cable. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But we were at the studio. I digress. Thankfully, uh, I was heavily medicated that night. Yeah. So, uh, whew, at least the, the, the remote didn't go through the screen. Now, with the elephants out of the way, let's talk about AW Full Gear, shall we? Yes. Of course, it went down this past Saturday at the Target Center. Uh, not to be confused with the Milwaukee Bucks play, because uh, mm-hmm. Rich did that too, uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and it was it started at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the buy-in. Mm-hmm. And during the buy-in, we had one match. And I mentioned it earlier when I was plugging the women's division. It was a women's division match. All of these women, which we were pondering online, but they didn't make a big deal about it before the match. They are all in the TBS title tournament, and all 
facing each other in the first round. So we had the team of Ashida and Thunder Rosa defeat the team of Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose in 12 minutes and five seconds in the buy-in. I thought it was a very good opening contest, if you will. Very good opening contest. Like we said, unless you've been following the TBS tournament, you really weren't sure of the storyline going in with this. But all four competitors brought in this match. Definitely a good way to kick off the night. Absolutely. So let's start with the action on the main card. And we kicked off the main card with a match that all, a lot of us wanted to see. And that was, uh, and I'll just give the, the winner already. So MJF defeated Darby Allen 21 minutes, 56 seconds. But this was a match we all wanted to see. And it lived up to everything. I would, I'm going to go on the limb. And I'm going to agree with some of the things I saw on the internet. This possibly was MJF's best in-ring match in AEW. Absolutely. It's finally got a chance to shine. I mean, if you've been following MJF, you know he's a star. He's somebody that AEW should be building the company around when we start talking about the whole pillars of AEW. MJF should be at the forefront. And to get him in a marquee matchup against Darby Allen, who has a cult-like following in AEW, and that's not a bad thing because he has just won over their fan base, this is a perfect way to kick off your show. The only thing I'm getting more worried about with this is we're eventually going to have MJF or Sting. I don't want to see that match in any way, shape, or form. These guys had a great time, too. They were the third longest... Uh match on the night by the way just so if anybody's keeping track at home very good match i can't say enough love the finish actually of this match mm-hmm. with the cheat to win from uh mjf it was a little clunky to begin with but it, it worked out and i liked the way it worked i liked the fact that they did were brave enough to give mjf to win yeah i was really fearing that they were going to go heavy on the faces but so uh with that being said this match was very very good i can tell you that it has an 8.69 out of 10 on cage match uh very good match absolutely uh, next up, we have the AW World Tag Team title match. Uh, the Lucha Bros defeated FTR to retain the titles in 18 minutes and 37 seconds. And going into this evening, I said that this was one of my picks for best match of the night. Guess what? Did not disappoint. It was a classic tag team match between two great teams. I mean, who didn't see that coming? Absolutely. This is something that I was excited about when I was talking about on Blogs Count Anywhere, the blog I write for ODPH. And this is one that I said could steal the show, and it damn well did. You have two great contrasts in style with the Lucha Bros and FTR, and they find a way to make it mesh. It's perfect storytelling, and this reminds people why AEW prides itself with its tag team division. You have two of the best in the world going at it, put on an absolute classic. I, I was I was very happy with this match and everything that went on with it. Uh, cage match gave it uh, it averaged out of 273 votes, 7.49 out of 10. I would have said, well, I don't know why this wasn't an eight, so I kind of disagree with the score, but it's mm-hmm. close enough. Uh, you know, but it was a great match nonetheless. Next up, we had the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament Final. Brian Danielson defeated Miro by referee's decision, 19 minutes and 59 seconds. Um. I'm just going to tell you cage match gave it a 7.54 out of 286. I will say this. There's about a lot of things on the internet about how this was the most underrated match on the card. I thought this was a good match, but I don't think it was underrated. I just don't think it was better than the two previous matches to it. First of all. And secondly, there was matches later on that it wasn't better than either. It, with that being said, it was still a very good match though. I think fans went in this thinking the bar was going to be too high and it was never going to achieve it. Not to say Brian Danielson isn't great in the ring and neither is Miro, but I think when fans were really wrapping their head around this and like, okay, what are we expecting out of this? Because since Brian Danielson has been wrestling in AEW, he's been putting on absolute classic matches. You can look at everybody he's faced going into this. So I think the bar might have been a little too high for them to hit, but this was still a good match. Very good, very good. I agree. 
Uh, next up, it is a six-man tag team falls count anywhere match. By the way, this got a 7.75 out of 282 votes on cage match. Christian Cage and Jurassic Express defeated the Super Click in 22 minutes, 20 seconds. And it lived up to the hype. They wrestled all over the place. Yeah, they went all over the arena. Christian Cage died, took his new jack dive off of a balcony. Uh, we got to see Jungle Boy thought about climbing a set, but just didn't. Uh, after figuring out it probably wasn't the smartest idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw people choke slammed off of the, the, the set. And at the end of the day, via concerto. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was odd that Christian gave Jungle Boy the honor of doing the concerto. I didn't because they had been beating down Jungle Boy, and yeah, I know. But I just figured with the passing of the move, like I, I just I look at that like, okay, are they trying to foreshadow something? I don't. know. Maybe I look too much into it. But still, good match though. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And like I said, uh, I would have given it a little higher. I might have even given it an eight out of ten if we're going out of ten. The seven point seven five on uh, cage match is a little low. I want to point out all four of these matches started the night. Mm-hmm. The next matchup is the lowest rated match via Cage Matches database. Mm-hmm. It was also, when we did live, our least favorite match. Ready for it, Ken? I think you know oh, what it is. Oh, I'm ready for it. The Rhodeslander and Pack defeated Andrade El Idolo and Malachi Black in 16 minutes and 52 seconds. I'm going to tell you what. Cody Rhodes refusing to go heel. Trying to be embraced the hate Cody, mm-hmm. comparing him, of course, if you didn't or don't listen to the show that much, to embrace the hate Cena, is really hurting the product. And here's why. The heels were trying everything in their ability to get booed. But no matter what they did, they got cheered because Rhodes gets booed out of arenas. Mm-hmm. Pac, who they've turned face and everybody thought was doing a good job of being face. Kind of got some heat because of Cody. <laughs> Cody is generating this X-Pac-like heat on himself. And the crowd is dictating what he should do and why he's fighting this so valiantly is beyond me. Like, this would be a perfect segue to refreshing his character on the show. And when you're getting reactions like this, this affected everybody else in the match. You could see it in the in their body language. There was just a different negative vibe, in my opinion, to everybody that was in this match. And I don't want to say mailed in, but they were just not as amped up for this for being in front of a pay-per-view crowd. I agree 110%. 110%. Uh, Lou from the Pinaconics podcast check out pine of comics by the way we don't plug that enough we should absolutely Lou's always one of the biggest active people in our chat lou says that match sucked all the air out of the arena felt so bad for Britain ty after them that cody reverse rub was in full effect and that is correct they did the, the crowd was completely out of it for the next match which unfortunately was a very good match and but the crowd reaction was not there for it and that of course was the aw women's world title match dr Britt baker d MD defending her AW Women's Championship against Ty Conti in a 15 minute and 16 second match. Cage match gave this match a 6.12 out of 10 out of 240. I would have gone a little higher. I thought this match was at least, if you're going out of 10, I thought this match was at least a 7.5 out of 10. And thankfully, our audio was so fucked up that it didn't matter that the crowd was out of it, but you could still know that the crowd was out of it. And I think that's what hurt them from a lot of people. 
I have to agree. In fact, I actually gave this match about an eight and a half. I thought this was better than expected. Ty Conte really impressed me with this. And I thought being in front of such a big spotlight, she stepped up to the occasion. This was a very good match, but unfortunately, the Rhodeslander effect was still in, happening on the crowd during this. And I think it's a shame to them because they put on a really good match. They were really trying to win over the crowd, get them back excited for it. But unfortunately, Cody took the air out of the building. Yeah, Lou, we're going to go over the injury report at the end, but yes, that did happen. Uh, so uh, next up, we had one of the matches everybody was waiting for. CM Punk defeats Eddie Kingston in 11 minutes and 7 seconds. Cage match gave it 8.58 out of 10 out of 318 votes so far. I'm just going to throw it out there. I really did like this match. I thought that they missed some opportunities in this match. I wouldn't have gone that it was quite as high as cage match. I'm I'm a little bit lower. That doesn't mean I didn't like the match. I love how they opened hot with it looking like uh, uh, Eddie Kingston was going to win in two seconds. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But then I liked all the hard-hitting action back and forth. I just don't like the fact that they put Punk over strong at the end of the day. And by the way, what I mean by strong isn't that he won with no shenanigans, but in the last two minutes of that match, two, three minutes of that match, in the finish, they gave Eddie Kingston zero offense at all. Yeah, He basically gets mauled. After a great competitive back-and-forth match, he just gets mauled, kicks out of one one, uh, GTS to then get mauled again for the second GTS. There was no reason to kick out then. He never really... There was no comeback. There was no threat of a comeback. It was basically, okay, I caught him, hit him with a GTS. Now I'm going to beat him down for the next two minutes before hitting him with a second GTS and winning the match. And I'm just like, that wasn't needed. At the end of the match, though, Punk extends his hand, saying that he earned his respect pretty much, and uh, Eddie leaves the ring. I'd have preferred if he spit in his hand or something uh, or just punched him in the mouth. I was waiting on something like that. I thought how they opened the match was perfect, and I like that Eddie made him work for this. Eddie was not holding back. Eddie is the heart and soul of AEW, and for Punk coming in there, I'm sure that when they were doing their promos, there's a lot of truth to what Eddie was saying in certain people's minds that are in AEW. And I think that Eddie really took this match personally, and I think it showed in his demeanor in the ring, and I thought that he really pushed Punk, but I I agree with you, Rich. I hated how they booked Punk so strong. Yeah, and here's the thing. I will say this, though. This is the best CM Punk has looked since his return to wrestling in AEW. Facts. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Next up, we've got two matches left. Tag Team Minnesota, 10-man Tag Team Minneapolis, sorry, street fight. The Inner Circle taking on Men of the Year in in Team ATT. Uh, By the way, it's Cage Match. They defeated them. Cage Match gave this a 5.85 out of 222 votes, so the second lowest of the night. Still not lower. I thought this match was a lot more fun because I thought the MVP of the night was Junior Dos Santos. Remember that name. Sign him to a contract. Let's go. Let's fucking go. I did not expect that performance coming out of JDS, but damn. ATT might be a great wrestling school. I'm just saying. We're seeing a lot of potential coming out of this camp. And to see this match, it was a fun match. It was a wild brawl. It was everything we expected. Just JD, you know, Dos Santos, what can you say about him? JDS all day. Tony Conwell, you're taking notes about things that I want, want to happen. Junior Dos Santos needs to wrestle under a contract. Get that man signed up. Yeah. Give me what I want. That's right. It was it, He was the highlight of that match for me. It oh. was a decent match overall, though. Don't get me wrong. Inner Circle, it was the right thing to have Inner Circle win. 
made perfect sense. Arlovsky could work on those fake punches a little bit. Yeah, though. yeah. Let's... Well, in between this and the main event of the evening, and it was a weird timing for this, especially because Sammy Guevara was involved in the previous match. We got Tony Schiavone on the ramp. And he introduced the newest acquisition for All Elite Wrestling, noting that Ring of Honor... Well, no, he didn't really note the Ring of Honor no, because no. of the situation. Yeah. A man who has won world championships in every promotion he's gone into around the world is coming, is, is joining us here in All Elite Wrestling. Let's welcome Jay Lethal. Boom. So Jay Lethal comes out, cuts a nice little happy-to-be-here promo, uh, and then challenges... He said he heard there was an open challenge for the TNT Championship, so he wants to fill that on Wednesday. He wants to take on Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. Sammy comes back out, still selling from the match before, Mm -hmm. and accepts the challenge. So this upcoming Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, we have the newest signee to All Elite Wrestling, Jay Lethal, going one-on-one with the TNT Champion, Sammy Guevara, for that TNT title. Uh, Listen, taking all the controversy out of this, I'm not going to talk about the controversial nonsense with Jay Lethal because it's a no-win situation. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't want to fight a non-winner's battle. If you want to know my feelings on those kind of situations, look where we've had stances in the past few weeks. Also, no shots taken. Look at the fact that the 18 to 49 women's demographic is down for AEW. Mm-hmm. That is a big reason. That comes from our good friend Brandon Thurston over at WrestleNomics. Mm-hmm. With that taking aside... It's a problem that this company's had, and I'm just not going to go into it. Right. Let's just look at them, as Lou pointed out, because that's how I'm going to look at it. Lethal is a great veteran add to that roster. I think this is a good add as far as in-ring. He's a veteran. He knows how to get over. He's entertaining. He can help out some of the young guys with rough edges, so I have zero problems as a wrestler Mm -hmm. for Jay Lethal to be all elite. For bringing his in-ring persona to the ring, that can definitely help AEW. And especially if they want to put him in a feud with Sammy, as it appears they're going to. Because I don't think this is going to be one and done. I have a weird feeling that he's not going to be the only one we see from Ring of Honor Wednesday night. And I, I if I want to go out on a limb, maybe we'll see Jonathan Gresham kind of maybe give him a help. I would agree with you, but he just opened up his own wrestling promotion called Terminus, which will have its first event in January or February in Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. So it's a I I was I'm with on you on the same page with you, but it was just kind of weird that that just coincided to happen. They announced that uh, technically yesterday. So yeah, terminus. Uh, I'll have to check the dates for you. It's either January or February. Okay. They'll be wrestling in Atlanta, Georgia. They're going back to pure wrestling. So kind of spinning off of what Ring of Honor does. Oh, that's cool. But that doesn't mean he's not coming. I'm right, just saying right. that no, that no, is no. that is what he's doing right now. I do know that. Uh, let's go ahead and let's go talk about the main event of the evening. I want to stress this. A lot of times we talk that there's a main event of an evening. Mm-hmm. And it ain't the main event. It's yeah. not The main event to me is the best match on the card. This night, full gear, 2021. The main event was the main event. Facts. It was the best match on the card. It was what we wanted to see. It was what we wanted to see and more in a lot of ways. Ladies and gentlemen, this match on, on cage match, 343 votes, 9.26 out of 10. I said that I, I gave this a four and a half out of five. Mm. I didn't think it quite got to the five, but close. I also did mention, though, if, if Meltzer gave it a five, I would not care. Right. Because like, I could see this being perfect. There, I'm just being a little nitpicky on a couple things. 
uh, that I didn't like, and that's what it, it, what caused me, and I'll talk about that in a second. But by no means was this a bad match. Right. This is an amazing match. It's a great fucking match. It is a match of the year. It won't win match of the year in my attendance, but it is on our list for match of the year candidate. Absolutely. I can tell you it's not because anybody who listens to the show knows that we always go back. So far, the competition has been real rough to beat a certain match. Yes. <laughs> real rough. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So I think that's going to win the Brody this year for best match. Facts. However, however, AW World Championship and your new All Elite Wrestling Heavyweight Champion of the World, Adam Page, defeats Kenny Omega in 25 minutes and 11 seconds. Also the longest match on the card, as it should be. This match told a beautiful story. They called back to... Listen, there was times that I did not believe that they were telling a story here and everybody was just over-exaggerating it. They had so many different weird little callbacks during this match that I was like, you know what? They actually planned out most of it. I'm sure some of it wasn't, Mm -hmm. but most of it was. And I thought it culminated in a beautiful moment. I don't think that they did too much. I was worried that they were going to have Hangman kick out of the one-winged angel. Instead, they did a swerve, and they had Omega kick out of the one-winged angel, which is fine because it's not Paige's hold. The only part that weirded me out, I'm happy he won. The only part that weirded me out was the finish. We got the buckshot lariat from... The back to the back of the head of Omega, Hangman Page gets. Uh, by the way, Nick Nick Jackson over to the side of the ring for no reason. Yeah, and then we get to the other side of the ring where Matt Jackson is standing, and he goes out of the ring to sign him up for the straight on buckshot lariat as Omega's on the ground, groggy to get back up because he just ate a buckshot. And Matt Jackson looks up at Hangman Page and just nods his head yes, and then Page does the buckshot, one two three, and wins the belt. I don't get the story with that. That's the weirdest part. Like, I don't, like, I understand maybe they're going away from Omega because of Adam Cole. And this is how we're going to get Omega out of the elite, if you will. I think that that's the only story they, they could be telling here. But then it still doesn't make sense to give the nod to Hangman Page, like, yeah, we're just going to let you win. That was basically what that nod was. The only thing I can say is this match felt like a love letter to diehard AEW fans the day ones. And that's not... And I'm not mad about that. And I'm not mad about it. I want to stress that. This definitely had a lot of throwbacks to everything they've been doing with this company since it originated. I'm not mad about that at all. And the only way I took that ending with the, with the Bucks is... They were remember way back when they were still trying to be friends and you know the elite and trying to bring him back in when you know Hangman broke away from him and maybe this was like that final show of respect like you finally you know have won us over like we get it now. I just think it was weird. It was weird. It was awkward. But the more I started thinking about it, that's what came to mind. I think the better story. And this is just me being nitpicky, and hence why I'm just like I said, I'm being nitpicky, and it's it's fine because I still love the match. I thought this match was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great storytelling match. I thought the match was executed pretty flawlessly. Yes. The only thing I would have done maybe different is like maybe had Omega go for like a belt shot, and then have like Nick or Matt just grab the belt, not interfere, like not super kick him, nothing like that, but grab the belt. Maybe that sets him up for the reverse where he gets hit in the back of the head with a buckshot, and then he goes outside the ring and hits the other version of the buckshot and just have him do that. That's my only thing, because I think that would have been a more clear-cut, like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Because now we're going to come into Dynamite, and I understand what they're going to do. They're going to do a spot, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see a triple super kick on Omega. 
Oh yeah, I'm th- pretty sure the super cl- super clickers is going to take over. I think they're going to write him off TV for a while and let him heal up a little bit because I, you know, the reports have been you know rumored that he was injured during this match too. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you, you could set yourself on a nice little trajectory, and I'm just saying, playing fantasy booker. If if a certain somebody in WWE does not resign in January, mm-hmm. that means by April they'll be available. And you could do Mount Rushmore in in fucking AEW if you set it up right. You do it at double or nothing in May. Or even better, you could debut that person as a face tagging with Omega to do like or do a six man Omega and some Omega and Page add Kevin. We're talking about Kevin Steen, obviously. Yeah. Still, I mean, I'm just saying like there's a lot you could do. I'm just saying there's a lot of cool things you could do. Lots of cool stuff. And with that being said, that's just fantasy booking, but. I'm going to say this overall. I love that you just mentioned it because going into closing about this event, I do believe this event as a whole was a beautiful love letter to the fans of All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say is, because I've seen this in a negative incantation online. That's why I want to kind of address that. And here's the problem. Recently, this show, while well, AEW as a whole, has gone through a ratings drop. Once again, as you know, I don't talk ratings anymore. They're not the end-all, be-all, but the elephant in the room is they've been losing viewership. Right. I think part of that loss in viewership, yes, is due to the WrestleNomics and some of the women dipping out because who would have thought that they don't like hearing people talk about gangbangs? Mm-hmm. But I think that the other... I think that he the other one wouldn't be so bad. I mean... I think what they need to do is rally the base in a more positive light. And they seem to be doing that. And I think that they're being super conservative on that. So yeah, I think that pretty much that's good. Uh, if his contract expires, it wouldn't be subject to a 90 day, right? He could be there the next day. No, when your contract expires, you have a 90 day, no compete. They don't, they don't waive the 90 day, no competes. Cole was on a different thing than when he did. He had a 30 day. Well, Cole was on a special Remember, because okay. he signed the extra That's right. handshake deal a, to do the there. extra month. Okay. So technically, and also he was only on a 30-day because he was in NXT. Right. So they kind of, instead of doing a 30-day no-compete, they did. Uh, he did an extended month for them. So kind of they were by the balls. But for the most part, the 90-day stipulation is for everybody. Mm. I'd be very surprised if they changed that over the years. Because that was driving back in WCW. If your contract expired or you were let out. Yeah. Uh, like, perfect example, Brett the Hitman Hart. When he left in WWE, released him from his contract, like, fully obligated. So it was considered that the contract was complete, not terminated. Mm-hmm. He still had to wait. They the, During the deal, they talked it down to 30 days. That's why he couldn't show up on WCW the next day. Hmm. Even though, you know, they screwed him over and everything else. Yeah. But uh, the dealing, they cut down because they, remember, they made him a deal so they get out of paying him I all forgot, that money. Yeah. That was the whole thing with Brett Hart. But yeah, they usually their ninety day no compete goes from time to time. Also, if I, I I did find out recently that you do make some money on that ninety day no compete. That's good at least. So they do pay you something. I'm not sure what the exact extent is, but they do. It's not like you're broke. Well, that's like I said, that's at least a good thing. There's some there's some kind of payment that goes into place. I don't know, but yeah, no, the ninety day would still be in effect. Now, mind you, there is ways around it. Mm. There is, uh, you know, if he decides to stay on and do them a favor. They could treat him like Adam Cole. Yeah. Uh, if he, you know, works it out where he gets his release, because let's put it this way. If he leaves on good terms, they're more apropos because remember they gave FTR a nice little release yeah. and released them early. 
Because they could have, they didn't wait 90 days when they came over. They released them from their 90 day early. It's just, it, it, it's been case by case. There's been other people who have asked and received it as well. So, we'll just have to keep our eyes on January when that date actually hits because I, I guarantee you they'll be breaking social media that day. Well, here's the thing the 90 day no compete is there to cool off the person. Yeah. So, like, basically, it's there to protect your your interest. Mm-hmm. So, the reason they put him in is because, like, if you were pushing that guy and he was on top of your card and then he leaves, the 90 days is to cool him off so he's not the hottest thing in wrestling by the time that 90 days. Hopefully. Mm. That's the only reason it exists. Fair enough. It's fair enough business. I get it. I yeah. get it. But I do. I, I really do believe this was a love letter to the fans. And I think you, they need to rally the base, like going back to that. I really think that the base has to have something to fall back in love with and sink their teeth. And I'm not saying – we're not talking about the hardcore base. We're not talking – we're just talking about regular AEW fans. We're not talking about the ones out there carrying the banner every day, uh, being toxic on Twitter. We're yeah. talking about the everyday fan like myself and Ken who are very big fans of it, but sometimes they let us the fuck down. And uh, they did not let us down, and they gave us a nice little love letter and said, hey, here you guys go. This is what you guys wanted. We're going to provide it this time. Because it's the right fucking thing to do, and I, I agree with it. And for the most part on the card, I was happy with everything except for the Cody Rhodes debacle because I just think he's taken everybody out of it. I think I think it's I think Tony Khan's got to put the foot down finally with him. He works for Tony Khan. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, whether it's an EVP or not, he still works for Tony Khan. And that's just he's he that's the only problem that they have. I mean, I'm glad that they've pulled him from everything, but once again, he's still the first person you see in the fucking uh, promo reels. Yep. It's something they're going to need to address moving forward because, like I say, that's, if that's the only negative we have from this card, AEW hit a home run. Oh, they, and, they absolutely yeah, hit a home and, run. And, that, and that's what fans should be talking about and really carrying through. And this positive momentum coming out of this card, which a lot of casual fans are talking about. And that's the good thing. On social media, I've been having some great conversations with casual fans saying, is AEW really about this? I gave it a shot with this pay-per-view and it won me over. They need to carry this momentum moving forward. And then I think it can definitely help propel them for the next paper. Well, the nice thing about the numbers is that we'll see if they, if they have a boost on, on Wednesday, mm. which hopefully in their case they do. If not, you know, it, it's back to the drawing board. But it's not because they, they didn't put on a great event. Right. Because that definitely did happen. So with that being said, that's going to bring us to the end of the opening bout. We're going to take a quick, 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 quick break. You guys are going to listen to uh, our good friend Shout at the Robots. As a matter of fact, I think, I think I'm in the mood to hear uh, the uh, ODPH theme song uh why don't you tell them about that oh it's called two weeks notice it's one of their best songs they do i mean it's one of my personal favorites and shout is just fantastic people you want to find out everything going on with them you can head over 812dubroductions.com or ODPHpodcast.com. we have links to them so you can go support them because they are fantastic people and they put out amazing music amazing patreon content too if you're not signed up there you should go check them out and yeah i mean fail better what can you say about that that song's amazing too i could just go on a lineage of, of great shout songs so go download them and find out for yourself before we go Lou did say uh said it saturday cody could be their main event heel have him kill the no challenging for the title stipulation screw hangman out of the title i actually agree with you mm-hmm. he could be but he's already telling people he's refusing to be a heel like that's what he needs to do he has to become a heel and that's a great way to do the heel if that's what he does i'm i'm fine with that i would actually I'd be, be okay fine with that too with that storyline and, and then just have himself be the unstoppable heel for a while just because he can use the fact that he's in power and all that happy bullshit I think that that would be fine. But if, as long as he stays a face, I'm sorry. It's not going to work. It's the pyro. He also can't say that he's the number one seller in AEW. No. Not by a fucking long shot because CM Punk is outselling everybody. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw that one out there. So I, I 
I just think that there needs to be a change. So we're going to play two weeks notice by Shout Out the Robots. If you're watching on stream, you're going to see the information for the Ochadera Parlay Hour podcast. When we come back, it's the mid-card. We are going to be breaking down a whole bunch of wrestling action because I literally spent my entire weekend watching wrestling again, and I can't wait to talk about a lot of these great events. We will be right back. Card of the show, and of course, the mid card is brought to you by independentwrestling.tv. For $9.99 a month, you can watch a ton of great independent wrestling con- uh, contests live and a gigantic archive from uh, some of the greatest independent wrestling companies on the planet. There is something literally for everybody, I don't mind saying that at all because it's very, very, very true. Also, uh, I would like to point out that if you sign up and use the code word absolute, the promo code, sorry, absolute, you will get five free day trial Mm. for signing up. Uh, Once again, that is the code word, code promo, absolute, at checkout, independentwrestling.tv. Check it out, especially if you are a wrestling fan. You will not regret it. And I live and die by independent wrestling TV. Facts. Quite honestly. This is is a true statement. And the first match, the the first contest we're going to talk about is from independentwrestling.tv, go figure. And it's a, one of my favorite uh, programs to watch on there. One of my favorite promotions out of the West Coast, baby. And that, is, of course, is West Coast Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they put on some of the most solid cards. Now, this is a group that is, for those of you out there that know that we love GCW, but trust me, we're talking about it next. For those of you who know we love GCW, this it does not have death matches at all. This is just great wrestling action. If you're looking for something like that, West Coast Professional Wrestling is for you and then no different because this past Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time because they are out in California from San Francisco, California to be exact. We got West Coast Pro Wrestling versus the world. Ready to talk about this card? Hell yeah. They kicked off with a six-man tag team match where Reno Scum and Juicy Finois defeated the West Coast Wrecking Crew and Titus Alexander. Uh, Titus Alexander is a young up-and-comer, if you don't know him. Uh, the Wrecking Crew, of course, are members of Team Filthy, Jarrell Nelson, and, of course, Royce Isaacs, two badasses. Mm-hmm. And Reno Scum, man. I, I We were talking about it when we were watching this live. Like, man, Impact should have kept those guys around. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, just seeing how they're tearing it up on the indies right now, and especially in this match, you have to wonder what Impact was thinking. By the way, Juicy was a last-minute replacement for an injured Starboy Charlie in this mm. match. Starboy Charlie broke his ankle. If you're looking for another horribly, uh, a lot of guys have been hurting themselves oh, man, lately, especially the legs. Uh, make sure if you uh, go out there to Pro Wrestling Tees and such and support the young man Starboy Charlie on his road to recovery. Next up, we had a three-way match in the WCPW Women's Division. Masha Slamovich defeated Nicole Savoy and Sandra Moon uh, in a three-way dance. And this was a very good match in the women's division. Very solid match. Loved the action that was in the ring. Definitely was telling some stories. Like I say, this was a solid match. Next up was a big win for myself and Ken M. And I know Lou in the chat will love it too because I think he's our second favorite AAA wrestler right behind the legendary Nino Hamburguesa. Of course, we're talking Mr. Iguana as he defeated Steven Tresario. Uh, it was a good match. And yes. Mr. Iguana, if you're not familiar, is amazing. The legend. Uh, uh, yes, he does carry the iguana in his mouth the entire time. Oh, my and God. Don't worry, it's just a stuffed one. But still, so good. And to see him on West Coast, awesome. Awesome. Next up, we had a really, really good singles match. <laughs> Mr. Iguana in the, in the caption. Now, go back and watch the replay if you guys can. It's, it's amazing. Yes. Uh, next up, we had Carl Fredericks from the uh, LA Dojo, the New Japan LA Dojo, defeated Ray Horace in a great match. By the way, two super talented guys. Super great. Like I, I try and put the right adjectives with this match. Ray Horace and him tore it down in this match and such a quality. Oh. In, in ring work. And it's a clash of styles, but in a good way, uh, because Carl Fredericks is a very much mat-based wrestling, technical yeah. wrestler. Very much the student of Shibata, because he's he's one of the he is one of the he is one of the student trainers, if you will. He's moved past being a young boy, but he stayed around in the LA Dojo to help train some mm. of the n- newer guys that are in there. Mm. And he is definitely full on trained by uh Shibata, and you can tell. Yeah. You can absolutely tell. Uh, which is not a as uh, Lou says. I need a Hamburgesa Iguana tag team. As do I. That's going to oh, be a question. Give it to me. Uh, that's going to be a question. I'm going to ask to Brett Lauderdale GCW. See if I can get that that to happen. Uh, next up, also representing the LA New Japan LA Dojo, and one of the best guys on excursion, as we know, Yua Yuamore mm-hmm. defeated Levi Shapiro. By the way, if you don't know who Levi Shapiro is. He has been doing it on the West Coast for a while. He reminds, he's a mixture. He's like that old school, like he reminds me of a Chris Hero type. We were talking yeah. about this on, on Friday night. Very, very good. Like a old, he's like a, a mixture of a Chris Hero with Steve Carino. Yes. Very much old school, but still gets it done in a new school kind of way. And he was in there with UAU Omore. And boy, that kid's got a huge future. Get on board now if you're not familiar. Great match. Great, just solid action back and forth. And like you talk about such a throwback. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. You only see that in, in certain wrestlers these days, but man, this was just a great match. And you Amore, like I said, oh, he's going to be the future of new Japan. Familiar. I uh, next up we had uh representing new Japan pro wrestling, by the way, Tamahiro Ishii defeated nice guy, Vinny Massaro. Vinny Massaro is a 20 year plus mm-hmm. West coast legend. And he's, he's, I think he's getting close to the end of the heyday. But you know what? He still put on quality matches. And he had a believable one here with Ishii. It was a back-and-forth war. Yes. Ishii, who's going to be on AEW, too, coming up so, this week This Wednesday. Well. This he'll, week. Be, he'll be tagging with Orange Cassidy. Yes. Wrestling. But still, he is just phenomenal to watch. And like I, you touched about, I mean, Vinny's such a legend. 
And just the match they put on, like I said, very simple, but very back and forth, told a great story in the ring. That's what you want to see. Next up, it was the Battle of the Bulls, baby. <laughs> Jeff Cobb defeats Chris Dickinson. Damn. The Dirty Daddy might have lost, but man, this was a punch-in-the-mouth match. We talk about certain matches you got to wear a mouth guard for, and you're watching at home. This was one of them. Jeff Cobb, the man, the myth, the legend himself, and the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson, just tore that house down. This was a main event, and man, oh man, did they ever deliver. Uh, I got I got I got to get something ready for when I uh, read this. Lou says I just came up with her tag name Los Ninos Hamburguanas. I mean you're not wrong, <laughs> but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good lord. I love it. I love it. I, I would buy one of those shirts tomorrow. Facts. But let's talk about the main event. The main event was for the West Coast Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. And still your champion. Black Death, the motherfucking truth, AJ Gray, as he defended against Black Taurus from AAA. See, I always say with Jeff Cobb, it's the main event because I'm biased, but because he's my guy. But this, holy shit, fantastic main event. I loved every minute of it. Cannot, I can't wait for more. Uh, West Coast Pro has already announced this December show. It is called Iceland. Uh, and uh, it, it, Lady Frost has already been announced for it, hence why it's called yes. Iceland. I just want to throw that one out there. Uh, and they're adding more and more to it, so you're going to want to check them out. They are All of their events are on independentwrestling.tv, and uh, they're definitely one of those ones that I keep an eye out for on IWTV. So mm-hmm. I have the strongest faith, if you guys are, are into it, that, that you should definitely check out uh, West Coast Pro Wrestling. Uh, let's go on to what kicked off our Friday Night Wrestling extravaganza. And that, of course, was GCW as they came with us on Friday night with Evil Deeds. Hell yeah. Evil Deeds was held at the Knights of Columbus in Detroit, Michigan. It had a 7 p.m. start time, Eastern Coast. Are you ready to talk about it? Absolutely. Let's go. Our opening contest was a tag team match. The second gear crew of Effie and Matthew Justice defeated Alex Zane and Tony Deppin in 9 minutes and 17 seconds. And Tony Deppin was wearing an Indiana Pacers jersey. Oh, my God. That was such heel heat coming in there. Great match to kick off the card. Second gear crew definitely was doing their damn thing. Always entertaining, and man, perfect way to start the show. Effie standing in for Mance Warner. I have zero problems with it. Absolutely agree. Next up, we had Gringo Loco defeating ASF in a 10-minute and 44-second war. It was a great match between two high flyers. I, I dug this match quite a bit. They left nothing to the imagination. They were definitely trying to get as much in as they could during this match, and they did. Told a great story, and you talk about action. Phew. Speaking of a great story unfolding, we had a tag team match next up. 440 representatives Atticus Coger and Eddie Only defeated Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne in 14 minutes and 38 seconds. Continuing this feud, the Atticus Coger and Jordan Oliver are tearing it up in, in GCW and up and down the East Coast. Let me tell you what, they did great storytelling as they took out Jordan Oliver's knee. Isolated Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne, of course, 440 as a whole got involved, mm. with the exception of RSP. At the end of the day, Nick Wayne just could not escape it. Low blow into uh, whatever the fuck uh, he calls his front face bulldog. Yeah. Uh, and bulldog driver, I should say, sorry. And Atticus Coger with the with the win for 440. What do you think about it? Is there any company right now doing better storylines than Game Changer Wrestling? No. And this storyline is talking the future of the business, Jordan Oliver and Atticus Kogar. 
who is now emerging as a bona fide superstar. If you're not buying into what Kogar is doing, I, I'm sorry. Like this is somebody you really got to get involved and f- keep track of what he's doing. Cause that kid has got such a bright future. The story they're building and carrying through is classic wrestling 101, and damn, it is entertaining and engaging. And we're talking about guys that are so young in their careers, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, thought, I dug all of this. Can't wait to see more. Uh, we'll be talking about that very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we had a singles match. Alley Catch stopped. The new queen of extreme for even happening. That's right. Ali Cash defeated Chelsea Green in eight minutes and 53 seconds. This is a very good match. I thought it was uh, the best match I've seen Chelsea Green in in some time. I agree. Ali made her work for this one. And this definitely was a great match to watch. I was super involved with this because Ali Cash just really told that storyline about the feud with Matt Cardona is still carrying on. And they definitely were bringing it for this match. Well, that's where we took our intermission. Mm -hmm. Coming back from intermission, we had the classic GCW signature six-way scramble match. Leon Ruff, yes, that Leon Ruff, defeated Braden Lee, Chase Burnett, Cole Radrick, the Spider Nate Webb, and Yoya to win the scramble match in eight minutes and 39 seconds. By the way, Chase Burnett was my MVP of this match. Yes. Uh, if you're not familiar, this is the first time I've ever seen him. And so Ken Oswell, he is like an old man gimmick. Yes. But it is actually very good, and I enjoyed him a lot in this match. He makes it work. Plus, you had the greatest entrance sing-along in all of pro wrestling with Spider-Nate Webb. I also dug what they did with Spider-Nate Webb in this one where they... Uh, where he has, he was continuing with his entrance and they tried to jump him and he was beating up everybody like he was invincible as long as the entrance music was on. It was very New Jack-esque. It was, it was pretty awesome. It was yeah. actually really awesome. Uh, next up, we had a singles match. Detroit's own Alex Shelley defeats the King of the Death match, Matt Cardona, in 15 minutes and four seconds. Very shocked about this uh, because, you, you know, we got used to Cardona winning so much. But uh, Alex Shelley with the win. They had to throw a curveball in there, and this is a perfect way to do it. I mean, obviously, Alex Shelley back in Detroit, you kind of had a feeling he was going to pull this one off. Chelsea Green tries to interfere and cheat, which brings out Alley Catch, and then, of course, Effie gets yes. involved. Effie helps Alex Shelley get the victory. Yeah. Guarantee you we might see Bussy versus Cardona and Green at Hammerstein. Well, because we because uh, we were coming into a death match weekend, why didn't we just not? We didn't get just one, but we got two death matches on this show too. Uh, so in a fucking death match, as MLJ <laughs> would say, Rena Yamashita defeated Charlie Evans in eleven minutes and twenty four seconds. Uh, and this is a women's. This is the first time in the United States that two women have competed in a death match against each other. We have had women d- d- go against other men, uh, go against men in death matches. This was the first time woman versus woman, and uh, the legend uh, y- Rena Yamashita and the young the young lion man Charlie Evans doing her thing. It was a great match. Uh, officially standing Charlie Evans right now. She impressed the hell out of me in this match, and especially how she took Rena's light tube. There's like a light tube fan, sword fan like, thing, yeah. and the, there was like eight light tubes connected like in a fan thing, and it was just like, it yeah. was, oh man, it was crazy. Super impressed with everybody involved in this match. This was just a badass match, and Charlie Evans, I'm officially a fan now. Like, I'm sold. Your main event of the evening was a tag team fucking death match on one team. We had, well, the winning team, because we go with them first, we had the three Pete. 
the King of the Death Match, the real King of the Death Match, mm. Alex Cologne, and the at the time the reigning undisputed GCW Ultra Violent Champion Masashi Takada, and they defeated the team of G Raver and Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd. That's right, they're back together. Ten minutes and fifty nine seconds. Yeah. Great match. Great match. Brutal as all. And what a way to end the show. Because, damn, these guys just... I mean, well, you got all four of these guys in the ring. You know what you're going to get. So let's fast forward to the next night for GCW because it yes. was a back-to-back weekend. And, of course, the next day on Saturday, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we had the Nick Gage Invitational 6. This is a deathmatch tournament. It was uh, from the Summit, Summit Park District in Summit, Illinois. So right in Chicagoland. Mm-hmm. Ready to hear it? Let's the, do this. In the first round, the first match, in the opening match, in the first round of the uh, tournament, Atticus Koger defeated Rina Yamashita. Brutal match, but perfect way to start the tourney off. Next up in the first round, we had, remember, Kid Osborne was supposed to go up against last year's winner, Mance Warner. Mance, of course, is out injured. So we got his replacement. So his first, first we get the replacement, and it's Charlie Evans. Yes, which I marked for. She came out. But then we got informed <laughs> that it wasn't just one replacement. We were replacing Mats with two people because Slack makes his return to GCW in this match. And at the end of the day, though, Charlie Evans defeated Kid Osborne and Slack in that three-way match to move on in the tournament. Fucking insane match. Slack is crazy. Uh, next up, in another first-round match, we had Alex Cologne, and he defeated Akira. Of course, Akira called him out a little while ago just because he, out of respect, wanted to see how he fared up against the Deathmatch King, and Alex Cologne defeats Akira, but Akira did earn his respect. Yes. Great match. Next up, we had four, and because in this match, Takeda said he was going to put the GCW Ultraviolet match, Ultraviolet title on the line in every single match. So, his first match in the tournament, title on the line, and he is and still champion as he defeated Eric Ryan of 440. Yeah, badass match. So we had intermission, and when coming back from intermission, we had a special seven way scramble match just to break up the death match because this was not a death match. And Ninja fucking Mac defeated ASF, Braden Lee, Cole Radrick, Gringo Loco, Nate Webb, and Yo Ya in 10 minutes and 23 seconds. You know where I stand with Ninja Mac. That's, that's another one of my guys. I fucking love Ninja Mac. Good way to break it up. Great match. In the first semifinal match, Alex Cologne defeated Charlie Evans by referee's decision because Charlie Evans passed out in the camel clutch. Yeah, but earned the respect too. Like yes. I said, Charlie was an MVP this weekend. So the three-time-in-a-row, three-peat tournament of Survivor winner is now in the finals of the Nick Gage Invitational. Yes. In the other semifinal match, also with the GCW ultra-violent title on the line, Masashi Takata defeated Atticus Kogar to retain, but Kogar lost because Jordan Oliver played a little possum. His knee wasn't as bad as they thought it was. They thought they took him out. They thought they took his knee out the night before. He came out on crutches. They thought they took him out. Nope. He just used those as a weapon. Cost Atticus Kogar the match and the GCW ultra-violent title. Even more importantly than that, Atticus Kogar, after the match, after the event, tweeted out, you're, you don't know how bad you fucked up. Yes. Love this feud. So Love this, this ending. This feud is continuing to go oh, on. So fucking good. So that leaves us with the main event of the evening in a death match. And it was the final death match of the evening. Also, the GCW Ultraviolent Championship on the line because Takeda is going against Cologne. And at the end of the day, 
and new GCW ultraviolet champion and first time Nick Gage invitational winner to go along with his three-peat of the TOS, Alex Cologne. Is there any other bigger name in deathmatch wrestling right now than Alex Cologne? I don't think so. Brutal, I don't think so either. Brutal match and pff, what a way to end that journey. All right, that gets us off the GCW weekend. But on Sunday, a Sunday, Sunday, I got to watch the next to last Ring of Honor show until the big change in April. Mm-hmm. And, of course, ROH put on Honor for All. Of course, they uh, they they filmed this at the Chesapeake uh, Employers Insurance Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, with nobody in attendance because they haven't had an attendance in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go through the rundown. It was a good uh, The opening contest was a pure rules match. Tyler Russ defeated Tracy Hot Sauce Tracy Williams in 11 minutes, 47 seconds. Very good pure rules match. Next up in the women's world title number one contendership four-corner survival match, Holly Dead defeated Quinn, uh, Quinn McKay, Trisha Dora, and Vita Von Starr in 13 minutes and 52 seconds to earn herself a shot at the Ring of Honor Women of Honor's Championship, currently held by Roxy. All right. By the way, uh, they had Miranda Alizé on fucking commentary during this, and she was not happy she was not a part of this match. I could understand that. Next up. For the GCW Tag Team Championships, that's right, the Game Changer Wrestling Tag Team Championships, don't change the dial, we are on Ring of Honor. Your champions, them boys, the Briscoes, defended those titles against the second gear crew team of the motherfucking truth, AJ Gray and Daddy Effie. This was a fun match. I actually got a chance to watch this one. Wow. Great match. Yes. Next up was the Ring of Honor number one contenderships matchup. Jonathan Gresham defeated Brody King in 10 minutes and 51 seconds to become the number one contender for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship and will get his shot at final battle in December. Surprised at the ending of this one, but I'm all right with it, though. Next up, we had the Ring of Honor World Tag Team title matchup, and I'm here to tell you, the OGK, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett are your new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions as they defeated La Faccione Ingridable's team of Dragon Lee and Kenny King to get those belts. The, the time of the match, 11 minutes, 59 seconds. This was a phenomenal match. The OGK came in there with something to prove. They said, uh, Matt Taven said, if this is truly going to be the end of Ring of Honor or whatever's going on, he wants, he wants that belt so he can put it on his mantle so he can remember the great times because he's Mr. Ring of Honor. Not wrong about that, so completely cool with this ending. That brings us to the main event of the evening, and it was a non-title, no-disqualification match. Your Ring of Honor World's Heavyweight Champion Bandito defeated Demonic Flamata. 13 minutes, 33 seconds, of course. uh, Used to be best friends. Flamita turned on Bandito. This match was phenomenal. Uh, they could have even did the nine disqualification because there wasn't that many things that they did that broke the rules. So uh, that was kind of weird to me, but very good match overall. Anyways, yeah, Bandito's a star. I mean, Bandito's are going to go on as of right now to face the one and the only uh, Jonathan Jonathan Gresham, Gresham at, at uh, Final Battle. Uh, do you have any other uh, things that you think that could happen at Final Battle, knowing this is the last Ring of Honor show? Anything is possible, and in fact, I think if there's anybody that possibly WWE might let come back there for a second, it might be Samoa Joe, you never know. Never know. I, I, I think with being the last show, you're going to see some surprise faces return. Christopher Daniels, maybe? 
True. Well, you ready to talk? Uh, you know, I got something to talk about. But usually, when I uh, when I talk about this, I really want to play this. Time to talk about some Ring of Honor wrestling. And of course, this past weekend, uh, they were in San Jose, California, actually Saturday night, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time for New Japan at the San Jose Civic Center uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling's Battle in the Valley. Yes. We did have a dark match. Uh, the dark match uh, was the Bullet Club, represented by Chris Bay and Hukolo, defeated DKC and Kevin Knight in a tag team match, 8 minutes and 35 seconds. I did not get a chance to see this as being a dark match. First match to open the card, and this is a main event anywhere. Josh Alexander defeated Yua Uamore in 11 minutes and 44 seconds, and it was exactly what you thought it was. It was a fight between two men. <laughs> Hearing those two competitors in the ring, that's the only thing I was expecting, and yeah, they delivered. Uh, Stray Dog Army, Bateman and Mysterioso defeated Violence Unlimited's team of Brody King and Chris Dickinson. And Chris Dickinson did get hurt during this match. Uh, bringing up the count, I don't know how serious it is because I haven't heard yet. Uh, but bringing up the count that Malachi Black also got injured. I forgot to mention that earlier. And so did Eddie Kingston. Mm -hmm. So this weekend we had three injuries with Malachi Black, Eddie Kingston, and then Chris Dickinson. Uh, so speedy recoveries. Uh, we're still waiting on the news for most of them on how severe they are. Yeah, absolutely brutal weekend. Still a good tag team match there. Next up, we had a 10-man tag team match. The team of Fred Rosser, David Finley, Rocky Romero, Alex Coughlin, and Alex Zane defeated Team Filthy, Tom Waller, J.R. Kratos, Danny Limelight, Jarrell, Norrell, Jarrell Nelson, sorry, and Royce Isaacs in 15 minutes and 12 seconds. This uh, battle has gone on for quite some time, but it's a new fight forever. Yeah, but you know what? The competitors in the ring bring it every time. So like I say, the fans aren't tired of it. I wasn't tired of it last time I saw it, so you know what? Bring it I, one more round. The former... The former, sorry, uh, students now help, they help train Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks over there at the L.A. Dojo. Mm -hmm. Defeated the United Empire team of Jeff Cobb and TJP in 10 minutes. Wow. Very good match, by the way. Very good mixture of styles. Yeah, that's the only thing I could come up with this match, but surprise at the ending. The leader of the United Empire and the man who claims to be the undisputed IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Will Osprey defeated Ren Narita in 15 minutes and 43 seconds. Ren Narita earned a lot of people's respects, hung in there with the champ, but Will Osprey at the end of the day gets the win. Very good match, by the way. Yeah, not surprised there with Osprey. The God of Wrestling Moose defeated Juice Robinson in 14 minutes and 51 seconds. I was kind of impressed with how long uh, Moose went in this, and he looked good at the whole time, so kudos to Moose. Yes. Next up was one of the matches we were all waiting for. The Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada is in the States, and he defeated Buddy Matthews 16 minutes and 23 seconds. Buddy Matthews making himself a star right away in there with the number one star of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Rainmaker Okada. But the big news that came out of this is after this match, we had a little stare down between Will Ospreay carrying his <laughs> IWGB World Heavyweight Championship and okada carrying the former heavyweight title that he is now using as his g1 trophy pretty mm. much instead of a briefcase kind of intriguing but we would find out that on night two of wrestle kingdom yes the winner of the okada uh a shingo tagagi match for the iwgp world heavyweight championship will meet will osprey to declare the undisputed IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Right move to do. Can't wait to see that match. 
So either you're going to either get Shingo or Okada versus Osprey on January 5th, night two of Wrestle Kingdom. I am here for it. Let's fucking go. But we had a main event for the Never Openweight Championship. And if Ishii lost, he could never challenge for the Never Openweight title again. But he has no worries because at the end of the day, a new Never Openweight Champion, Tamahiro Ishii, defeated Jay White. Surprised at this one, but... Switchblade loses. Yeah, I did not see that one coming. I oh. didn't either, but I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it, too. Not mad about it one bit. I am completely, completely, completely all right with it. Uh, I just want to make note, because we're running short on time, so I don't want to drag it out because we still have a whole other segment. Uh, World Tag League and the Super Juniors are both kicking off this week. Uh, normally, we would go through the teams. Next week, I pro- promise that we will go over the scorings and the stats. I just, in the interest of time and not making this a three-hour podcast, we're just going to skip past this week. Just know that if you uh, want to see all that great action, njpwworld.com is the place to go. Both of them are, I know the Tag League has already started, and the Juniors starts this week. Mm. So uh, next week, we will give you the results from the first week and what's going on and what our takes are next week on this show. So keep that in mind. Next week, we will be talking about the NJPW Tag Team, World Tag Team, and also Super Juniors. So with that being said, though, we are going to go to the second break of the show because you know what? We need a second break. And you know what? I am feeling so much in the mood for our good friends over at Shout Out the Robots. We already shouted them out with one of their best songs, Two Weeks Notice. I think the other best song is also the theme of the Three Founders podcast. Of course, that is Fail Better. That is by our friends, Shout Out the Robots. Check them out anywhere you get great music. If you're watching on stream, you will see the info for the Three Founders podcast. If you're at home, you'll just get to hear great music. Mm-hmm. When we come back, it's the main event. We are going to be talking and previewing Survivor Series, which goes down this Sunday. We'll be right back. Pans, are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble. That's right, it's time to rumble. It's time for the main event of 607 TWS. And this week we are talking and previewing WWE Survivor Series 2021. Going down this upcoming Sunday, November 21st, 
start time of 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Peacock. Of course, as a reminder, we will be doing live reactions and commentary for WWE Survivor Series. We will be starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to give you a quick breakdown before the show. You don't want to miss that. Come join us. You'll have a lot of fun, at least. Mm -hmm. Even if the show is bad, you'll have fun. I don't know. Uh, We'll talk about the show now. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. So, we have the Raw Tag Team Champions, RK-Bro, taking on the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos. Usos all day. I can't stand RK-Bro. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of RK-Bro either, so I'm going with the motherfucking Usos. Yes. Intercontinental Championship match. Well, not championship match. Sorry. The Intercontinental Champion, sorry. Shinsuke Nakamura taking on the United States Champion, Damian Priest, is what I meant to say. This could be the sleeper of the night. I'm not even going to say sleeper. This could be the match of the evening. Jeez. Yeah, putting these two together, this would be a hard-hitting match. Wow. I'm going with Damian Priest, though. Priest is the hot hand right now, but I don't, you know, it's tough, but I'm going to say Priest right now. I can see either winning, by the yeah. way. You know who wins the fans? Because these two guys are going to put it all on the line. This, Hell yeah. This, in my opinion, could be, this is one of the locks for possible match of the night. Oh, absolutely. Next up, we have Team Raw, the women's Team Raw. Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Zelina Vega taking on the women's team SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Shotzi Blackheart, Shayna Baszler, Natalia, and a TBA. Because mm. they ousted their last member. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, you know what? I, I usually go with the TBA team. So I'm going to say SmackDown. I'm also going to go with SmackDown because I don't know who the TBA is, and that could be a good big surprise for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be Raquel Gonzalez. Be a hell of a way to introduce her to the main roster. Let's talk about the men's classic Survivor Series matchup. We got Team Raw, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Rey Mysterio, and Bobby Lashley taking on Team SmackDown, which is Drew McIntyre, Xavier Woods, Jeff Hardy, Happy Corbin, and one, to be honest, to be announced, I said to be honest. On SmackDown, Hardy battles Sami Zayn with the loser Zayn being removed from the team. Zayn's replacement has not been decided yet. You got to split the difference. So if I'm taking uh, in the women's match, SmackDown, I'm taking the men's Raw. I'm going Team Raw just because I think Lashley's going to dominate. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Next up, we have the, well, I guess you could call them the first the two main events. SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair going one-on-one with the Raw Women's Champion, the man, Becky Lynch. Well. Well, we got there in a longabout way. Yeah. It, it's It's happening. And. This one, going to say Becky wins this one outright. I also see Becky winning this one, especially with everything considered recently. Yeah. I, I just can't see Charlotte walk out. Although this could be a shoot by the end of it <laughs> with recent activities. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening as well. Last but certainly not least, we have the two big champions facing each other. Of course, the WWE champion, Big E, will go one-on-one with the universal champion, the head of the table, the leader of the bloodline, the big dog, Roman Reigns. Well, I'm going to go on the limb. I'm going to beat you to it. Big E wins and hands Roman his first loss in almost two years. Mind you, the bell is not on the line. That's why. That is why. But it's going to make sure that everybody knows that, oh, shit, Big E could have the big dog's number. I agree with it. That's what the thing I was saying. For Roman to lose here, it's not going to be the end of the world because the belt's not on the line. It can definitely foreshadow some things down the road if they want to go there. This is the best time for him to lose. Yeah. Because, A, you get that loss out there because he hasn't lost in two years. Mm-hmm. So you get the loss out there. Plus, you do it in a way that it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect the belt. Yeah. But it matters for storyline in the future. 
I could definitely see that. I think going this down. is I think that that's a no brainer. That's what I would do at least. But yeah. you know. Leave it to WWE to drop the ball. Do you uh, have any suggestions? I mean, those are the six matches that are announced as of right now. Do you have any guesses of any matches that they might add just to throw in there? Because I don't really think so. I think that we've got all the belts represented, if I th- unless the tag titles. But you're not going to do the NXT tag champions against the... No, you're, NXT is going to be unfortunately left out of this one. I could definitely see maybe they throw something in there uh you know last minute just to kind of balance out but usually the the tag belt or the the brand tag bouts go long so like for the the five on fives they're going to take up some time so i could definitely see them sitting with the six in fact i even just thought of who the mystery uh for smackdown gonna be who alexa bliss that makes sense yep we haven't seen her in a while been uh quietly making a little social media buzz uh i don't think she comes back as the uh demon-esque she comes back as a regular Alexa Bliss. Yes. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, you know, we got something returning for this week. And uh, I'm going to end the show with this turning. And that is the final bell. Because something came across my Twitter feed and my Facebook feed that did not sit with me well. And I have zero fear of talking truths. I am going to use the word allegedly a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could replace that word, but. For all intents and purposes, allegedly is what we're going to use. Okay. It's a sensitive subject that we don't touch a lot, but I saw it because of this past weekend, there was a big convention, wrestling convention on Sunday. A lot of AEW people were involved. A lot of other sports figures and wrestlers were involved. I mean, the list included the former AEW champion, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega. The list included a uh, WWE Hall of Famer plus Football Hall of Fame, Pro of Famer, Lawrence Taylor. Mm-hmm. The list included Brian Danielson. And I could go on and on. And mind you, this is a convention. The thing that bothered me about this convention was there was a certain man who still owns a company that is involved in wrestling memorabilia because it originally was called RF Video. But since DVDs aren't good for sale, even though he, they still do sell DVDs, mm. They do a lot of memorabilia stuff, including live memorabilia that a bunch of wrestlers take part in. The person who owns this company's name is Rob Feinstein, hence the RF. My problem with the pictures with these gentlemen and everybody else in RF is that I feel like I feel like wrestling fans have a short-term memory loss and wrestlers have short-term memory loss when it benefits them. Mm-hmm. Fans and... This guy puts together a lot of these conventions, and even if he doesn't put them together, he shows up at a lot of them because he sponsors wrestlers for there, and he gets a lot of autographs signed, and he gets a lot of stuff going on. I know you know who it is. Yeah. Uh, most recently, he made a lot of buzz because uh, Matt Tremont come on, came under fire mm-hmm. because Matt Tremont had this person, Rob Feinstein, at his event. Because he was there as one of the sponsors of Onita, and Onita basically said, if, if, if Rob leaves, I leave. And the internet, some people on the internet lost their shit at H2O Wrestling and Matt Tremont yeah, because of having Rob Feinstein at the event. So some of you know what I'm talking about already. Mm-hmm. A lot of you probably do not. So now I'm going to tell you why they were mad at Tremont. But then in the same breath, we have all these pictures, and I sent a bunch of them to yep. you. It was all over. If you want, go ahead and search either RF Video or Rob Feinstein on, on Facebook and see for yourselves. His thing is called, I do believe, the Smart Table. He does a Facebook sale, Facebook Live mm, sale. I think something like that. 
But here's what's troubling. And it, it's funny because Tremont got heat and H2O got heat from being there. But man, he's taking pictures with Kenny Omega and Don Callis and Brian Danielson and Lawrence Taylor and a shit ton of other people. And nobody seemed to care. The problem with Rob Feinstein, and once again, we're going to use the word allegedly. However, little more. I'm trying to skate a line, obviously. Mm -hmm. Rob Feinstein was allegedly caught up being a chomo. So child molester. Mm -hmm. Child predator. How about that? Yeah. Allegedly a child predator. Allegedly... He was caught in a to-catch-a-predator uh, type scheme in New Jersey. Or was mm. it Philadelphia? It was one of the two. Right. Uh, that's irrelevant. Uh, it wasn't the Chris Hansen variety. It was something that the local law enforcement had set up, and they were doing a to-catch-a-predator style thing. The reason why uh, Mr. Mr. Feinstein allegedly was chatting with a 13-year-old boy through... AOL Instant Messenger. That's how long ago it was. Right. AOL Instant Messenger. And uh, even at one point juncture in the transcripts, which you can find online, mm-hmm. allegedly says to the boy after the boy tells him he's 13 multiple times, says, oh, no, I heard 18. So much fact it became a running joke in the wrestling companies that I worked for. Not the fact that he did that because that's disgusting. Right. But the fact that he was so dumb and crass to say, oh, I heard 18. Allegedly, he didn't do any of this because a loophole in the law illegal system said that that was entrapment. So all the evidence got thrown out. Mm-hmm. I am only using the word allegedly because he has threatened to sue people in the past. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that the facts are out there. Mm-hmm. Because he can point to the fact that he was never convicted of anything because technicality he also likes to tell people who make something about this that they are going after him because he's a homosexual which is absolutely fucking wrong some of my best friends in the world are homosexuals Mm -hmm. Uh, i am so fuck you i'm going after this because you were a child or or are allegedly a fucking child predator but god forbid wrestling has forgotten about it when it's convenient for them and wrestlers forget about it when it's convenient for them brian danielson knows damn well because Rob Feinstein also, when this went down, was the person who owned Ring of Honor. The reason he stopped owning Ring of Honor was because of this scandal. That's right. Rob Feinstein started Ring of Honor. Rob Feinstein also, just so everybody's on point, the reason why him and RF Video took off is they were the exclusive tape provider for ECW Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So if if you wanted to order an ECW Wrestling tape, Back in the day, because that's all there was. There was no DVDs at that time. You had to do it through RF video. That's how he made his money. He Then he took that money and started Ring of Honor out of the ashes of ECW. And then he had to give up his portion of, of that because he allegedly was a child predator. I hate having to say allegedly, but I have to say allegedly. Mm-hmm. Even though allegedly, there's a transcript that you can find on the internet. Just type in Rob Feinstein. And it actually comes up without just that look. But you can go further and say Rob Feinstein to catch a predator, whatever. Mm. You can see the transcript for your own eyes. You can't hide the transcript. But because it was considered entrapment, it was thrown out. So allegedly, 
He's a child. He was a child predator. Mm-hmm. But once again, when Tremont, by no choice of his, had to come out and his wife and his business partners had to come out and apologize to fans and say, hey, listen, you guys don't understand. We didn't want Rob at our event, but he was a package deal with Onita. And if we told Rob to leave, Onita was going to leave. So we had to spy the balls. He had to be there because he was handling Onita's merch table and his merchandising. But then we have a convention this past week and we have some of the biggest stars in the business rubbing elbows and taking photos with this man like nothing fucking happened. But then, but then internet, we have an outrage over Jay Lethal and I'm not here to say if that's right or wrong. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's a, it's kind of in a gray area, but if what he was accused of was, is, is, is right, is true. Then yes, Black Machismo, Jay Lethal has got some explaining to do. Mm-hmm. However, if it's not, I don't know. But once again, that's not up for me to decide. That's between AEW and him and Ring of Honor and him, who allegedly did an investigation. But the outrage, where's that outrage when you see pictures of Rob Feinstein with your favorite wrestlers? Where's that image of, uh, where's that outrage when Rob Feinstein's selling shit on Facebook Live to make a living? Plus, he also got caught in the past forging, allegedly, sorry, forging Roddy Piper signatures after Roddy Piper passed away. That's okay. He got caught doing it to Hogan, too. It's okay. Allegedly. The fucking game we have to play to call out a scumbag. Yes, I feel so strong about this that I want people to know. He is a scumbag. I'm not putting his face on the screen because, once again, he thinks he, he's going to fucking sue somebody. Mm-hmm. And he definitely knows who the fuck I am. He hated the fact that he tried to talk to me once about the 2CW tape library. Mm-hmm. I told him to fuck off. And I didn't allegedly call him a child molester. I called him a child molester. <laughs> Oh, it's a wrong time for you to come in, Dan. Just throw it out there, brother. Thank you, Dan, for subscribing for another month. Uh, let's play some celebration movie music before I go into that close. Yeah. It'll break some of the tension. Drop. Thank you, Dan. 13 months. Shout out Stranger Damies, Game Ball Pod, crushing the extra life for kids goal this weekend, raising money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We have the link up actually at odphpodcast.com, so if you still want to donate, you can definitely do that. They fucking crushed it this weekend, so definitely shout out to Team Damie over there doing the damn thing. Thank you, Dan. We will keep up the great work. But, uh, I mean, after I just hit you with all this, this is nothing new to you. You know the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do know what it is. So uh, I, before I put a nice little bow on it, before we uh, you start going to the close of the show, did you want to say anything about uh, our good friend Rob Feinstein and the Internet and their, their outrages? I, the fact that Tremont was getting crucified for this and then the con and all the pictures that you were showing me just went under the rug, I just don't fucking get it. I just don't. With all the allegations there, you know, it's just how? How? That's kind of the easiest thing to say. Just with, like I said, the allegedness. You you go after Tremont and absolutely bury him online about you know that situation. But yet, this is okay to do, and nobody's batting an eye. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I remember was it a couple years ago when AEW first started off and they did the first CEO fest there, and uh, Kenny Omega 
hired a alleged child predator. Mm -hmm. And remember the outrage that kicked him off the show and everything? Yeah. Where's the outrage now that he's taking a picture, a very smiling picture, pointing at an alleged child molester or child predator, however you want to put it? Yeah. It, ju it just doesn't make sense. With all the allegations, it just doesn't make sense. Once again, I will say this. Fuck Rob Feinstein. Uh, I have zero fucking whatever saying your name. Go ahead. Try to do whatever you fucking bullshit want to do. You know who the fuck I am. I'd love, love, love for you to come up and have a problem with me at an event. Please, please, by all fucking means, do. Because it's not going to work out so hot for you. Just throwing it out there. But here's my challenge. If you consider yourself a decent human being and a decent person, do not buy things from RF Video. Do not buy things from Rob Feinstein. Let's not make it acceptable. It's not shouldn't just be unacceptable for fucking people to be at an event uh, for him to not be in an event in H2O. Let's not be silent about it when it's it, when it's a convention. Let's not be silent about it when you could possibly buy one of these 8x10s from the man, okay? If you're buying 8x10s from Rod Feinstein, you are supporting what he stands for and what he stood for for a while. And I, I can't blame every wrestling fan for not knowing the story because if you weren't on the East Coast and if you didn't, you know, if you've not been around the block as long as I have, you might have forgot the early 2000s East Coast independent wrestling scene. You might have forgot when this shit happened, mm. but most of us don't. And that's, I think, the ultimate reason why H2O took such a hit, because their fans are fans who have been around since the early 2000 wrestling, independent wrestling scene. They know exactly who Rob Feinstein is. That's kind of why they took a hit. But where are those same people going after this convention and going after the people involved? By the way, Brian Danielson knows damn well who he was because he worked for him. That one kind of hurt me the most because mm -hmm. I've always thought he was a good dude and he's taking pictures with Rob. There's no way you can be like, like Omega might be like, oh, I don't know who he is or I only have heard of him and play stupid like he did last time. Yeah. Which once again, once you do it multiple times, I don't know how much I fucking believe you anymore, but there's a lot of allegedly with him as well as his name really it's throwing it out there. He, well, another story for another time in another show mm -hmm. that might have to be on Patreon. But I'm I'm all jokes aside, like like on a dead serious note, like it is unacceptable for him to be in the business. Fuck Rob Feinstein. Uh, as a matter of fact, the fuck most fucked up thing is they ribbed MJF because his original name in the Indies when he first started in Ring of Honor, or CZW, sorry, was Maxwell Maxwell Jacob Feinstein because it was a rib because he didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. But then after somebody smartened him up, he changed it. Yeah. Because it was kind of like he 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 ha ha ha. And then they changed it because nobody wanted him to go out like that. Yeah. Let's just make that a normal and don't give Matt Tremont shit when he got fucking held hostage, but let some fucking convention promoter and fucking whoever else get away with it. Like it's bullshit guys. If your outrage is going to be outraged, let's get outrageous. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Let's keep a fucking standard to outrage. Can we do that? Like I'm not, I'm not for outrages for the most part, but I'm going to say if you have to take part in them, Let's let's just go down the line and it's all equal. You have to call it 100. If you're pissed off about Jay Lethal, if you're pissed off about Marty Skrull, if you're pissed off about uh, Rob Feinstein at the H2O show, if you're pissed off about those things and other things that are similar to them, and you're not pissed off that he was at a convention taking pictures and getting autographs signed that he's going to turn around and sell, that could be a problem.
So now that the people who listen to the show who might have not known are smartened up, please do not do business with him. And once again, I'm sure if, if he has a problem, I'll hear something. But I, then again, I won't. Because I've called him out before and nothing. Crickets. Mm-hmm. And he knows. But he knows that I'm not, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't really care about him and his fucking whatever. Just remember, allegedly, he's not a very good person. And as such, should not be treated as one. So, that's all I have for that. I know I got heavy on it, but it just really, it really, really touched my heart. And it really fucking bothered me for two reasons. For one, I can't stand that scumbag piece of shit because of what he, what he allegedly did. And secondly, Matt Tremont's always been a good dude to me and friend. Mm -hmm. And I hated the fact that he got crucified for it. Now, I get, I get the outrage. I really do, because I don't like the guy either. You just heard me. But when I heard the whole fucking situation, I went, okay, they kind of got fucked. Yeah. They kind of got fucked. No surprise, by the way, that Odie is hanging out with him. Just throwing it out there, brother. If you haven't seen Dark Side of the Ring with uh, FMW, check that out and then tell me you're shocked. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) please, please, guys, do not do business with that man. And hold everybody accountable. If you're going to hold one person accountable, I want you to hold everybody accountable. Or don't hold anybody accountable at all. Absolutely. That's your fucking choices mm-hmm. in life. So with that being said, thank you so much. Uh, Ken M, uh, make this a little light, more lighthearted. I know coming off of something heavy, it's a little harder. But make it a little more lighthearted. Tell these folks how to get a hold of you in the ODPH. Yeah, very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. Check out Parley Points. Got a ton of blogs coming out this week, man. I don't know how I'm going to get He's any working sleep. on it all the time. But you want to check those out. They're good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't want to spoil. I got three lined up. I might not get it out this week because I got something. I want to try doing for Black Friday. So you have to stay tuned to ODPH social media for that. Um, but yeah, that's the T-Public store. It's classifieds where you can find friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions. But you're listening to the network. You should already know how to find them. And Dragon Master Games and you know, Excite Wrestling. The list goes on and on. But all that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. Yeah, if you want to get a hold of me or want to, you, you want to rat it out and go talk shit and have Rob Feinstein try to get a hold of me, uh, whatever you want to do, you tell him uh, or you yourself. Uh, or if you just want to say, hey, and thank you for fighting the good fight or whatever you want to say. <laughs> I'm on all social medias at 3 Fat Nerds Pod. Uh, check us out. You know, like I said, throw it at in front of it, whatever. All of them are 3 Fat Nerds Pod. I'll take you right to us. Uh, we're on every podcasting thing. Just look up 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. Uh, 8122production.com. We have all the info there. We also have a T Public store. So check it out. The link is there. We have a ton of stuff. It's it's, it's awesome times. Uh, also, Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. If you'd like to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can do that over there. Uh, real fun time. to get a ton of extra bonus content and actually something new coming up. I just want to throw it out there. Uh, I haven't even told Ken yet because it was a decision made today. And we didn't have a ton of time. But uh, with that being said, uh, a lot of good times, man. And make sure you're subscribed right here to twitch.tv slash 607podcast. We got a lot coming up this weekend, November 20th, this upcoming Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be live for 607 Podcast Movie Night. Ken M., we are going to be watching the documentary Superheroes about real-life superheroes, and we are going to have a good time talking about that, dissecting it, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to want to watch around and join with us. If you've never seen it before, trust me, you need to see this movie. I will also be telling the illustrious story of how I once successfully hit on a woman using nothing but master legend lines. Uh, with I Diesel as my witness, it is, it is going to be a good one, and it's going to go down this upcoming Saturday, November 20th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for 607 Podcast Movie Night. Also, wrestling fans, we're going to be back on Twitch on Sunday, 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 
7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for WWE Survivor Series live reactions and commentary. I know sometimes WWE shits the bed. Sometimes they give us a bad product. And the only way I watch WWE anymore, because I don't watch Raw and SmackDown, is is when we do pay-per-views live on Twitch, because we have a lot of fun in the chat. You heard him here earlier. Lou will be in that chat. I guarantee it. I guarantee we'll have some other people. Maybe Punch the Timeline will be in the chat. They usually are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pad will be in the chat probably. Pad will be in the chat then, definitely. We got a lot of people in the chat, and you never know who's going to swing by to join the panel. I know it'll definitely be myself. And, of course, Ken M, and I think uh, Crazy Curtis Gaming will be in the, his house with us as well. Dogs of 50-50, too. I'm sure Dog will be here because Sasha's on the card. Yes. Sasha's on the card. Dog will be here. That's that's my that's my early prediction. Yeah. Uh, and so much more. Make sure you're following. And, of course, we do that for UFC pay-per-views and wrestling pay-per-views alike. And, of course, we have movie nights and so much more. So you're going to want to be joined up to twitch.tv slash 6 podcast. We're going to be taking you home in a second. And as we you leave, you're going to hear our good friend Second Suitor. The song is called One-Winged Angel. It's off their Super Duper EP. You can find that on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. Please support them. They're fucking awesome. The music you heard earlier in the show was from Shout at the Robots. Same deal. And, of course, if you were listening to the Countdown Timer, that's our good friend Tom Jolu. Same deal. Yes. And you can find them on both the ODPHpodcast.com and 8122productions.com if you forget. Man, it's been another great show. I did get to go off on the rails a little bit. Uh, like I said, I, if I offended you, I don't. I'm, I'm glad in that case because I don't yeah. know how, what fucking offends somebody about warning you about a predator. But you know, hey, whatever. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show. Though we had a lot of fun talking. Mm-hmm. AW Full Gear, GCW's Big Ass Weekend, uh, talking about uh, uh, IWTV, West Coast Pro Wrestling. Make sure you're checking them out. You know, Ring of Honor coming into the final show until April. Yeah, hopefully. And, you know, New Japan and, and of course, previewing WWE, we had a great time. Uh, For myself and Ken M, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, later, wrestling fans!
Top ropes, one, two.